So everyone's reading perspective is valuable. Everyone's <laughs> reading perspective is valuable. Period. <laughs> and also mine is probably more valuable. <laughs> in, this in this context, it is. <laughs> no, you're like for truly though, like if we are But for real. <laughs> You are listening to the Memoir Method Podcast, the place for writers, readers, and anyone who appreciates the collective power of our stories. In this podcast, we explore the impact of memoir alongside an examination of writing techniques and strategies used in the genre. Whether you are a writer looking for inspiration and guidance or a passionate reader seeking meaningful connections through shared experiences, the Memoir Method Podcast is your go-to conversation spot. I'm your host, Charlotte, editor, writer, and the heart behind Bookish Edits. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. All right, welcome back. We have Ginny on again, and we are talking about Dancing at the Pity Party again. So a couple weeks ago, we kind of introduced you to the book and our experiences with it. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. It is fantastic. And today we are taking a more analytical look at the book and take and running it through the memoir method, which as a reminder, the memoir method is a framework that I use to, to help writers kind of break down the writing of a memoir. We have the story block, which is kind of the foundation of the memoir, the process block, which is how, how it is written and structured. And then the edit block, which takes into account some of the factors specific to memoir. And so we are going to run this book through that today. Very exciting. Hi. Hi. Lovely to be back. Lovely to have you back. Seconding your advice to go back and listen to the previous episode. If, if listeners have not done so it is uh, chef's kiss, my favorite so far. Same, same. Yeah, we just, this book is, I I might say this about every book that we do, but I, this is maybe my favorite and it's the second one that we've read together, but, um, can't wait for the next favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, no, but I, it's really fun to, to take a memoir and to engage in conversation about it. I think that when we're looking at our stories, you know, we we feel connected to the author in their story, but then to be able to connect with other readers in that reading experience, that is a new level to the magic of our stories. So I'm really excited. The story block, that's the first one. So the story block comprises three elements and... That is the focus, the reader, and the thesis or the message. I want to end the episode with the thesis because I feel like that's usually the most impactful. Like that, like that's that's the heart of the book. And so I want us to end with that because the that actually the first two elements to me are pretty straightforward. You have the focus is her dead mom. Like it's in the subtitle, a dead mom graphic memoir. So that I feel like yes. that doesn't take, there's not a lot of like other options unless you see a, like another nuance to, to what that focus could be. 
but it feels like if if I were going to sit down and if I were the writer, I would be sitting down thinking, oh, I'm going to do this book about my dead mom. Yes. Obviously, like the thing that happens is her mom dies. Do you think that the focus can also be like her experience after her yes. dead mom dies? Yes. Yes. Because the book is not about her mom. No, no, it's not. Right? I mean, the book is about the fact that her mom died, but it's it's really about her. Yes. Um, no, I think that that's a really important distinction. It is about what happened to her when her mom died. Yeah. And something that I, a mindset shift that I have applied to my own writing that I try to, when when readers are feeling kind of stuck in how to portray something is your reader doesn't care what happened to you they care about what you did with what happened to you and so in this book her mom died and like that's sad mm-hmm. she's also not the only person to have a mom die you know like that i'm sounding super callous here but yeah, but also like I get the vibe from her that she would be like, yes, these are, these things are true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As a person who also has a dead mom, I can be like, yep, this is true. Like Mm -hmm. lots of moms die. And like, that's Mm -hmm. not a, like, I feel like there are memoirs where like you have like abnormalities that happen to you. Like Mm -hmm. things are right. Like you have sort of these outlier events and like that Mm -hmm. thing has happened to you. And so that makes the memoir, right. Or at least is like the catalyst for the memoir, but like, that's not the thing that makes this memoir, right? Like Mm -hmm. the thing that makes the memoir is not that her mom died. It's about her experience and what she has done and her beautiful graphic memoir mm-hmm. in in telling that story yes so like what what we care about as a reader is her as a person right. and right. how she is experiencing this and processing it and navigating grief and what i find interesting about grief memoirs and i've read several without without having lost someone especially uh, unexpectedly or or particularly you know close you know like a grandparent but again that's very different from from losing someone before you should have to but what i find very interesting about grief memoirs is that they are all different because there's only one way for you to experience grief and it's the way that you experience it what I find really beautiful about memoirs like Dancing at the Pity Party and and other memoirs of grief is they are so singular to the to the writer while also being so relatable to someone who has experienced the same thing. Like in in our last episode on this book, that where we talked together, you you felt so seen. Even though your grief is going, it looks different because you're different and your mom is different. Right. But and the, the way that we talk about same. it. Right. And the way that we talk about it and the way that we portray it to other people is different. Like mm-hmm. I, I talked in the last episode about like her, her dead mom bingo card. Right. Uh-huh. And it's so real and it's so true and it's so accurate, mm-hmm. but to portray it in a bingo card is like what makes this memoir. Yeah. Her memoir, right? 
And, and, you know, when you write about your mom, that might not feel authentic to your writing style or approach, but you can appreciate it and connect to it and find it a delightfully dark, darkly funny addition. Right. Yes. To her experience. Yes. So, yes, I think you're right. The focus is definitely her experience with her mom dying. I think that that is an important distinction. This book is specifically written for people who have dead moms, people in the dead moms club. And she has a couple of areas where I think she knows the readers who aren't in the dead mom club are going to read this. There's one of her like little sidebar infographics is do's and don'ts of talking to or interacting with someone who's grieving. But apart from that, it it was was fantastic. It's great. Yes. Highly recommend. Five out of five stars. Yes. It's very, it's very good. Yes. Do's and don'ts for dealing with a grieving person. It's on page 110. And I mean, they're they're honestly fantastic uh, pieces of of counsel. Mm -hmm. Like, don't try to comfort them with religious thoughts that they don't share. Like, very practical Mm-hmm. very helpful like not not snarky like i mean like it, it's in oh. her voice which is kind of snarky but like this is a very practical like oh like for real though like don't right. do this but do do laugh and smile if they are like it's it's fantastic and so she knows that other people are going to be reading this book who who do not have the experience that she has but this is also her heart is with her fellow members of the Dead Mom Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's particularly poignant if you are a person who has had a dead mom who has died young. Mm-hmm. I think she really is speaking to, to those people. Mm-hmm. 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 And I think that's important that she... Because there's a lot of ways you could go about writing a grief memoir. You could write it for someone who has not experienced this and be like, hey, like, let me guide you through this experience that you don't know anything about. That would change the lens of the book. It would change the Mm -hmm. tone a little bit. But she's not here. That's that's not who she was thinking about. She knows that that reader will be there and she's glad that we are. But knowing who her reader is I, I felt that tight connection to to her reader even mm-hmm. though I am not that reader mm-hmm. there was so much love poured into her reader into that ideal reader yeah yeah I would like to hug her and I do not hug that many people so <laughs> well in the bingo card would that be a tight hug pleasant because there's tight hug unpleasant and tight hug pleasant it would well hopefully it would be tight hug well you know what it wouldn't be a tight hug oh because that's what makes it yeah Mm -hmm. that's makes it weird it would just be like a loose like thanks so much for everything and then i would back away awkwardly okay okay good to know but we can play that up Uh, yeah, so we'll get to the thesis at the end. Okay, cool. And we we I, 
I think we're going to be talking about this actually quite a bit when we talk about this, but the, with the process block, this is a graphic memoir, which means it is illustrated. And I have read a few graphic memoirs. Um, actually, the other gra graphic memoirs I've read, I think are middle grade, which is interesting, which might be its own conversation about a graphic middle grade memoir. Yeah, I don't know that I, we talked about this briefly in the last episode. I don't think that I have read a graphic memoir. I have read graphic novels, mm -hmm. but I, I really cannot come up in my mind with another graphic memoir that I have read, which either means I haven't read one or it wasn't that great. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> um, so I think it means I haven't read one. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure I've ever read a memoir that I didn't remember. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that means that I haven't, I haven't read one. How was, and we talked about this in the last episode a bit, as when you read this for the first time, your grief was more acute how did the illustrations, like how did that, how did the format of this book inform how you consumed it that first time? First time I read it, I read it pretty slowly. I read it over the course of like 10 or 11 days, which it typically doesn't take me that long to read a novel. <laughs> I can, I read it in an afternoon. Right. It's well, and as I have, as I have reread it, mm -hmm. I have read it in like a day. Um, you know, I definitely think, you know, you can read it in a day if you, if you really want to, uh, the reason that it took me longer to read it is just because it was a little heavy Yeah, um, absolutely. at that time. And so I had to put it down. Like there were, there were whole days when I never picked it up. Right. Yeah. But I think, and this is even true as I have reread, you know, you're reading the words, right. And you're getting the story. But then you're also reading the pictures. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a little bit last time too, about how she'll even have like these little annotations in the pictures. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of nuance here, particularly in the illustrations that you might not notice, right? Yeah. Like first time or the second time, or even if you do notice them, like you see them, but you sort of gloss over them, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're there and you read them, but they don't necessarily like strike you as particularly poignant in that moment. But then when you reread or, you know, you look at that particular section on a different day because grief is weird and it changes every day, you know, like some things are going to stick out to you more, more than others. And so I think, I think that has been true for me, both in the initial reading and some of the rereading. Yes. You, the way that she's able to to insert her personality, like besides just like her style of drawing, but the things that she chooses to label, the little sidebars she chooses to illustrate and have. And it allows a lot more creativity than perhaps a prose memoir could afford. Like, the, you know, there's just a little one-off page about, about a, a dead mom app. She wishes there were a dead mom app that you would kind of know 
she talks about the app I wish existed, the dead mom, the app. And, you know, just like mute all cancer and Mother's Day media, most important part of the app. Store old photos of her for strategic social media posts. But, like, it's it's just on this one-off page, but it includes so much of of her, like, as as the as a person and as a daughter that would be communicated differently if she had written a prose memoir like mm-hmm. you, you would you would have had to build that out differently but like the this whole page is the the center of the page is this phone with this pretend app on it mm-hmm. so the creativity and being able to insert little things like that and sidebars and lists and illustrated lists is it feels interactive in a way that is, it's lighter. As someone who's not in the Dead Mom Club, it felt like a a lighter way to engage with something really hard without discounting the depth of grief. I think in the previous episode, you used the word soft. Mm-hmm. And I do, I feel like it's very soft. Like there aren't that many memoirs about grief that are soft or light. And this one is i also think that there are places where she really uses the illustrations to advance the story to or or like add some depth to the story so like on page 74 so this is like when her mom dies right after her mom dies i should say page 74 so there's there's six frames And five of them are pink and they're like Mm -hmm. in the hospital room right after her mom dies. But the first one is, is her, it's just Mm -hmm. her in a frame. And that frame is gray Mm -hmm. and it says, and just like that, I became someone who had seen death. And the only thing in that frame is her, it's just her face and the back of it is gray. It's the only gray thing on this two page spread. And I think, and if you flip to the next page, like 76, like again, on that two page spread of 76 and 77, there's one gray frame, right? Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like this internal, right? Versus like the external stuff that's happening around you. Mm -hmm. I think the illustrations allow her to show the things that are indescribable in a way that makes them more like accessible to the reader. Yes. Right. Like that is a really difficult thing to understand or to comprehend until you actually like have experienced it. Like it's impossible. It's impossible. Right. You just can't comprehend it. Right. I think the pictures allow her to make that much more accessible. I'm repeating myself, but. No, I think that's the perfect word. And Mm -hmm. As I was thinking about the use of illustrations and the format of a graphic memoir, you know, in writing, no matter what you're writing, whether it's fiction or creative nonfiction, you'll hear the, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, we need to show, not tell. And I don't like that on its own. I feel like it needs to be more nuanced. We need to know when to show and when to tell. And a graphic novel or graphic memoir allows the writer illustrator to really play with that balance. 
-hmm. So you have the words, which she's a very witty and funny writer. She's great. And that, but the illustrations, they show things differently. Like those pages with the gray frames, they, and the words on them, even like, this is a moment, like this is a, this is a feeling and experience that is especially poignant mm-hmm. it is like, like if you're going to focus on one thing from this page, this is it. And it's so subconscious. Like, I don't think when I was reading it that I picked up on that, but that is what my brain went to. When I was re-scanning the page after I read it, I would go back to that gray frame where she talks about how they checked into a hotel because going back home with her mom not there was impossible. It's such a transcendent representation of what art can do. Mm -hmm. Being able to pull in visual art with written art this way communicates this experience in a way that she couldn't have done with prose. The pictures show you things like, and on that gray frame where she said she becomes the one who'd seen death, her eyes are huge and you see the tears pooling underneath behind her glasses. And like you, you, when you're reading, you just kind of stop for a minute and the pictures are guiding your experience reading the book without being overt like stop at this frame and spend a minute with it like you just do it well and I think that's what's really beautiful about the illustrations in general is that like yes this book is relatively quote-unquote easy to consume quickly but you can also sit with one page for like a long period of time and see lots of different aspects of it and elements of it that are not like if you're just skimming through to get the story like that will still be powerful mm-hmm. but I think what's really powerful is like sitting there and actually reading and looking at every detail you know sometimes I feel like I read novels or or memoirs that are prose or whatnot and like I, w- I will say things like you know, every word matters, right? There's not mm-hmm. a word in here that was not considered and thought mm-hmm. about. Like you can just tell. That's how I feel about the the words, but also the pictures in this. Mm-hmm. Like there is no aspect of the pictures. Like there is no detail of her illustrations that she didn't think about. Yeah. Every piece of it, like the color and the nuances and the details and the tears in the eyes and who is smiling and when they're smiling and who is not and when they're not like, it's all intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, the way at at the beginning we're introduced to her mom. So she kind of like says, this is my mom. This is Uh who she is and tells us all these wonderful things about her. You feel like you know her enough. You know, she's not just like this nebulous mother, like, oh, like this is Tyler's mom. And, and she illustrates her a lot. And she's just, you know, the, all these different facial expressions, you just see that she's just this vibrant person. Mm -hmm. And then when you see the illustrations of her mom sick, it's such a sharp contrast. And, and I don't know how, how you could get that without the picture. Right. And you see the way that she illustrates herself. 
the difference between illustrating herself when her mom is healthy to illustrating herself when her mom is sick. You know, there's one, I'm looking at a frame, it's on page 62. But she, you know, it's, you know, she sees her mom, her mom is really sick, doesn't look like herself. Oh, yeah. And it's like if her old self was a, was a drawing, someone had spilled water on the ink smearing and paper bloating. And so, mm-hmm. and she has a, a, she drew a picture of, you know, one of the earlier pictures, illustrations of her mom, but it's, it's all smeared and looks like water spilled on it. And yeah. I, I, I just remember stopping on this reread, stopping at that page and just mm-hmm. feeling that for a moment mm-hmm. because it's a great description. The words are a great description. You can, you can picture that enough in your head, but then to see her illustration of what that felt like. I think it's a real gift if someone can draw what they feel. I I cannot draw what I feel. I am not an artist in that way. Mm -hmm. But it felt like such a gift to be able to engage in a book where, where the author is able to draw what they feel. The funny parts the sad parts the dark parts the the darkly funny parts mm-hmm. and what's wild is that if you are a person who has experienced your mom dying so my my mom did not have cancer but did like get progressively ill mm-hmm. before she died and so when i read that and when I see those illustrations of Tyler's mom like everyday alive Tyler's mom and then sick Tyler's mom I can't not see my mom yeah so the illustrations are Tyler's right and her experience but if you have ever had an experience like that where you have watched a person get progressively ill and then die, I don't think that you could read this book and not see those images of that person in your head, which I think like I often don't like to see those images in my head, right? Like I want to only think about my mom as like my mom before she got sick, like the images of her. But it's also a really important part of grief to like acknowledge the images of her when she was not well. And as she got progressively more not well. Um, And so I, I think that by having them illustrated in that way, she's also like, I felt like she was giving me permission to like revisit those images of my mom that I don't like to all the time, but are also very important. Well, and she was giving you a space to do it instead of like those images jumping out at you or, you know, intrusive thoughts. Like it's Mm -hmm. a, she's created a safe space for you to go back and revisit moments with your mom. Yeah. And, and then a safe place and then a, a compassionate way to exit that as well. And I, I hadn't thought about that before. Tell me if I'm wrong. 
No, no, you're right. I don't think that you could think about it unless you had had that experience. Yeah. Like, I think that, I think it goes back to like what you were saying before about the reader. Like the reader is like, there will be people who have read this book who have not had this kind of an experience, but there will also be people who read this book who have had that kind of an experience. And those are two very different reading experiences. Like, I don't know how you could have like very vivid, like almost palpable representations of like a person who... Mm -hmm like a person from your life as you read that unless you have literally experienced yes that. I, I didn't have I, I wasn't thinking of a specific person when I was right. when I was reading this because mm-hmm. I haven't experienced that yeah and so I think that makes sense and then for the edit block I mean I think we're gonna be talking about this a lot so I don't know if we have to spend a ton of time on it in this episode, but just the way to engage grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things that a lot of writers will come to me and just how to talk about hard things. You know, I've, I was working with a writer of the summer and she was like, Oh, I just, I'm afraid it's going to be too depressing. And, and she, she wasn't writing about death, but being able to write about hard things is it does take some healing work on your own. But like we said in the last episode, like you're not going to work through grief and then it's done. And so to know when the time, when the time is right for you to write your memoir or for you to write about it for someone to share, you know, cause there's a difference between writing for yourself and writing for someone else. And if, if the time ever comes when you are ready to write for someone else, you're the only one who can really say when that is and Tyler waited about 10 years Mm -hmm. but I think especially with grieving a death you don't have to wait for 10 years if you are ready to do that sooner when it comes to talking about grief especially I mean and like memoirs deal with a lot of hard things like that's kind of because life is hard and and so when when we worry about oh I'm afraid it's gonna be too depressing, I think we're missing the point because the point isn't about making it not sad. <laughs> the point is to connect, and and that's that's like where that core message where that thesis comes in is when you know that then the emotional experience that you're giving the reader will have the right balance of what it needs to, and like Tyler offsets the grief. And the darkness with a lot of dark humor, mm-hmm. which is very funny, which is wonderful and totally my jam. I think too, even as people are thinking about like when is the right time to write about the hard thing, it can be like you know she waited ten years, but it can also be like a day to day sort of thing. I think there's a question of whether or not you're ready to write the book as a whole, but I also think there's a question of whether or not you're ready to write like in that particular, on that particular day or in that particular season of life. Mm -hmm. I experience that as I write about my mom, like there are days where it feels right to be writing about 
my mom and, and that experience on that particular day or in that particular season. And there are other days where I know it would not be good for me or for, right. Like, I'm not saying like the writing wouldn't be good. I'm just yeah. saying it's not available to me in that moment um, or on that day. And so I think that, I think that's another really big part about writing about hard things and it's true with reading about hard things too, right? Like, I I don't know that anybody would pick up a memoir about grief because they wanted to be happy. Like, I don't. I feel, <laughs> I feel like you sort of know what you're getting into <laughs> when you dancing at the pity memoir. party makes it very clear <laughs> what you're getting clear into. That we're not like. We're not going to talk about like the best days of our lives here. So I do. I I think that's that's like another part of it is that you just sort of have to to acknowledge as you're writing that your readers are probably looking for a particular type of story in that moment, and that's how you write about the grief. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, just as we've been talking about you know, Tyler writing such a soft memoir about grief that, and if whatever you're writing about, whatever hard thing you, the listener are writing about, we have to be gentle with ourselves. And, you know, if, if you go a week, a month, a few months without writing, you, you can still call yourself a writer. And just because, just because you are in a place where you can't write, or it's not, it wouldn't be good for you as a whole person to do that. It will, the words will come when they're ready to come. It, and if you want to write just for yourself, like, you know, that's, I, I've worked with a writer who worked through a lot of stuff and they, they said, yeah, like everything I've written this back half of the year was for me. Like it doesn't need to go to anyone else. So just to have that awareness as a writer and a reader to to take your time and there's no there's no rules there's really not i could feel tyler's gentleness toward herself yeah in this book and the grace that she gives herself as she has experienced this she extends that to the reader specifically to other people who have lost their mothers mhm Yes. Yes, I felt that too. So moving into the thesis, I will share my takeaway first because I'm not the intended reader. And I, I want to end on on your ultimate takeaways because I feel like your perspective in this reading experience is the most valuable. So everyone's reading perspective is valuable. Everyone, everyone's reading perspective <laughs> is valuable. Period. <laughs> and also mine is probably more valuable. <laughs> in, this in this context, it is. <laughs> no, you're not, like for truly though, like if we are But for real. Are, <laughs> for real though. Like I I cannot speak to this book the same way that you can, and that's why I'm so glad that you are here and willing to to talk with me about it because you, you're bringing something to this conversation and to our listeners that I cannot bring. Mm-hmm. 
And so I want you to close us out today. Okay, that's uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, if I was going to boil the message of this book down to one sentence, this is what I wrote. Grief is a singular experience and results from deep abiding love. I love that. Thanks. I also think it's very true. There's so much love in this book. Mm -hmm. It's overflowing with it. Like love for her mother, her mother's love for her, her family's love, the way she learns to love herself and her grief. Mm -hmm. And you can't truly love if you are not going to be open to the grief that that's going to cause in some capacity. So mine, if I was boiling down the thesis, I think that I would say that the, the thesis, particularly for other people who have dead moms, is you are not alone. You know that you're not alone. Like, when you're experiencing it, you know that. Like, your logical brain tells you that you are not alone and you are not the only person whose mom has ever died. Mm -hmm. But man, you really feel alone. When you're experiencing it, you really do feel like you are alone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, no matter how many people you talk to who are also experiencing it, you still feel alone. And this was one of the first moments when I felt like I was not alone. And so I think for me, that's the, that's the thesis. That's the message of, of this book for other, other people who, whose moms have also died. All right. Well, we will come back with more conversations about this book, um, an interview with Tyler Fetter herself, um, and a couple more conversations from the two of us. So thank you, as always. Yes, thank you, as always. And you can find Ginny on Instagram at Ginny Reads and Writes. And I am at my new Instagram home at bookish.editor. So we would love to hear your thoughts. If you have read Dancing at the Pity Party, what did you think about the, the different elements that are in the memoir method and how the author applied them here? Your takeaways, um, we'd love this to be a conversation. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of the Memoir Method Podcast. The Memoir Method Podcast is presented by Bookish Edits. If you liked what you heard, the best way to support the show is to subscribe through your preferred podcast player. And if you're feeling especially inspired, I'd love it if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving a review really does help other readers and writers like yourself find the show. If you want to continue the conversation, you can find me on my website at bookishedits.com or on Instagram at bookish.editor. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next time. And remember that you have a story that matters.
Wait, are you? Oh, okay. Okay, no. Well, are you? I don't know. I didn't say oh. anything. Okay, there you go. Okay. Oh. I, I thought that you were saying okay and like mouthing. I was like, no, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have like, <laughs> we have like PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to make mental health jokes, but I don't know what else no. to call that. Like, no. We, we that, was, <laughs> that was audio PTSD. Absolutely. But the reaction, the, the 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 physical reaction inside my body when you just said like your mic isn't on, it's like like the whole world stopped. No, I I, I thought you were just like because I saw you like wave to someone, and oh, that was my post office guy. Oh well, and 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 I thought I thought you know because like. Like when you were sitting there. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I I, and you would mute you. it. And I was like, so, okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to get back into this now. <laughs> Please.